critiquing a small minority of people um, on the left because they are wrong both in action and philosophy. And we want to explore these problems, but we also just want to say that we generally agree with the leftist project of like making a more equitable society, developing more democratic control, right, giving people more power over their lives, stronger egalitarian mechanisms to promote welfare. Hello, everybody, and welcome to more of a comment than a question. My name is Smithy Mehta, and joining me is my friend and co-host, Paul Connor. Paul, how are you this week? I'm okay, uh, Smithy. Thanks. Um, it's good to be here. I <laughs> I kind of got some bad news this morning. Oh, no. Yeah, so one of... Well, it's it's been a mix this week. So one of the mm. jobs that I applied for, it looks like I'm not yeah. going to get. Because uh, they... I did get... Something like eight people got a request for uh, recommendations and then six people got interviews. Mm -hmm. So I was one of the eight, but I wasn't one of the six. So Mm. um, I don't know if (laughs) maybe my recommendations are not very enthusiastic, (laughs) but I, whoever the other person out there was uh, that applied for that job, I am standing in solidarity with you today. But I did get um, another job I went for. There was a request for recommendations. So... Okay, nice. I'm, I'm not... You're still in the game. I'm not done yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Nice, nice. Well, good. But also, I don't know. Like, I, I just feel like it's a long shot anyway. Like, I, I remember, you know, just thinking, yeah, like, I haven't done a postdoc yet. I'm probably competing with a lot of people who've done postdocs. Sure. I'm probably competing with... Yeah. I'm probably competing with assistant professors, to be honest, who want right. to change change yeah. universities so mm-hmm. yeah like I, I don't know like it's probably a it's probably a long shot but um i was pretty stoked a- anyway to be in the top eight for one of these jobs yeah and then, um, oh absolutely to, i'm sure their pools mm, are a massive yeah you know? yeah yeah but I, so. I yeah i don't know um but that's yeah i mean other than that my week's been good it's gotten super cold here all of a sudden uh, how about you yeah, today just suddenly it feels like the middle of winter. It's raining. I lost power today. Um, mm. I'm super sleepy right now because I just, <laughs> it was super dark and I just took a nap and I didn't want to do anything. <laughs> and oh, so wow. um, it's raining and yeah, I lost power for like a couple hours. Um, but how am I? I'm okay, you know. It's, yeah. Yeah. Disappointed I guess- about poker. Yeah, we were supposed to yeah get together for a game of poker this weekend but it looks like that's not happening so yeah Yeah. i was kind of looking forward to that so it's a bummer but we'll we'll find another time yeah yeah i mean i i'm i've come to rely on that income so (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i am one of the people who always loses so (laughs) but you know yeah good times yeah but yeah so do you want to introduce our topic today um i should be introducing the topic today okay but I don't want to. <laughs> okay, uh, I'll introduce it. So basically, <laughs> we are going to be talking a bit more about the U.S. election um, with a specific focus on reactions to the right. election. Um, it's been really interesting seeing different reactions. For me, I don't know. It was slightly disappointing seeing how quickly the left moved from celebrating Biden's victory to squabbling yeah. <laughs> squabbling about you know the results and it, we would have done better if this or right. this is all this group's fault or the, you know um it's amazing our capacity for um internecine strife 
Yeah. But and just focusing on the negative, right? Mm, mm. Yeah. Um and but it's it's I don't know, it's raised a lot of interesting issues that I think are worth discussing. Um mm-hmm. maybe we could start with my guy, Andrew Yang. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, yeah. so let's drop so here's a clip of Andrew Yang talking about um post-election about what he thinks um the lessons are for democrats democrats don't do a good job of speaking to working class people what do you say to that you're supposed to be fixing that i had that experience countless times on the trail don where i would say hey i'm running for president to a truck driver retail worker a waitress in a diner and they would say what party and i say democrat and they would flinch like i'd said something really negative or i just like i'd like turn another color or something like that. Uh, and there's something deeply wrong when working class Americans have that response to a major party that theoretically is supposed to be fighting for them. So you have to ask yourself, what has the Democratic Party been standing for in their minds? And in their minds, the Democratic Party, unfortunately, has taken on this role of the coastal urban elites who are more concerned about policing various cultural issues than improving their way of life yep. that has been declining for years. And so if you're in that situation, this, to me, is a fundamental problem for the Democratic Party, because they, if they don't figure this out, then this polarization and division will get worse, not better. Is that real or messaging or both? It's real. I mean, Debbie just said they lost a, a, a plant that had 1,500 workers. And so if you're a laid off worker from that plant and you look up and say, what is the Democratic Party doing for me? It's unclear. Uh, and We can talk about a unifying message from Joe Biden. He's a naturally very unifying figure. But then there's the reality on the ground where their way of life has been disintegrating for years. And if we don't address that, then you're going to see a continued acceleration toward the institutional mistrust that animated the Trump vote and will continue to do so. Okay, so that was Andrew Yang talking about, yeah, like how the people in sort of the, you know, middle America respond to the Democratic Party. Mm. And yeah, I like I've seen so many people after the election just talk about just like act like everybody that voted for Trump is like a racist bigot. Mm. And I'm I'm like, oh, but this is exactly the kind of stuff that we need to get away from. Like, let's not do this anymore. You know, let's not like let's at least talk about why these people are voting for Trump because it's not I I don't think most of these people are racist some of them are for sure I'm not denying that but I think most of them aren't and if we're just going to keep calling people names instead of really trying to think about why they're do why they're voting this way even though it clearly would seem like it's not in their interest right like mm-hmm. what is like it, there it has to be from their perspective worse to vote for democrats than to than to vote for Republicans, right? Hmm. And so it's like, why is that? Yeah, it it has been uh, really interesting after the election. Um, I mean, because I, I have to admit, like I have a very similar reaction when I see how many people vote for Donald Trump, mm. right? I like, yeah, I don't like. I feel like I don't understand it, and it's constantly surprising. It was surprising in twenty sixteen, and I again found it surprising in 2020 and you know i've sent texts to friends Mm -hmm. that basically just say i can't believe how many people still vote for this guy Mm -hmm. um but it's really like okay yeah go ahead no go oh i was just gonna say like i'm not saying it's not disappointing but i wouldn't also say that i don't understand it 
Like, again, I think for a lot of people, and this, I mean, the notion itself is just absurd to me, but I think for a lot of people, abortion is just a big issue, right? Mm -hmm. If you're Christian, if you're Catholic, if you're evangelical, right? That's just the one issue that you just don't, cannot vote for Democrats for, right? Because mm -hmm. they're, they're killing babies, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's a big one. Taxes are another one, mm -hmm. right? And now, especially in 2020, when we're seeing all these other people that are Neither moving towards... Neither of those towards... issues have anything to do with race, by the way. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is, now that we're seeing an increase in in like in the Latino vote, in even like black vote, hmm. or, and, you know, and all the people that are even white that might have not voted for Trump in 2016, but now might be voting for 2020, I think it probably has to do with all the rhetoric on the left. Right. If you're telling everybody that all of you are racist, right, no matter what, right, mm -hmm. that everybody is a racist. I mean, I personally find that upsetting. Mm -hmm. um, so imagine if you're a white person, if you're just a regular white person. Right. I mean, they have to bear that guilt even more so than right. They're being forced. This guilt is being forced down their throats. And I can totally understand why that would just turn some people off from the Democratic Party. Right. Because that's a party that's trying to pretty much tell every every white person or every person in general that they're racist hmm. i i want i wonder if that's true though because the i just think the average person is far more removed from these kind of discussions of hmm. systemic racism and white privilege than, than we are like if you are you know, um, if you didn't go to college and you live in um, middle America, uh, like, I, I don't know. Because so this is was one other like election hot take was this the the kind of IDW types like Sam Harris and stuff like that mm -hmm. saying, oh, this is all the fault of the woke people. Right. Mm. This is the cost of your wokeness. Um, right. When will you ever learn? Right. Um, which. Yeah, like I, I'm not, I'm not totally sure because I don't. Yeah, I, I, I guess like the, the pre-election, the Black Lives Matter movement was a pretty big deal in the country. I guess there's not that many people mm -hmm. that were like insulated from that, but right. it also like had fairly widespread support. I think definitely when it, when it moved into sort of the media focusing a lot on like violent protests and and rioting. Mm -hmm. I think it lost it lost support, um, and definitely the defund the police message is very yeah. unpopular. But yeah. I just I don't I just get don't know how many people, if we actually ask them, why did you vote for Trump rather than the Democrats, would like name these kinds of these kinds of things as being the deciding factor for them. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess you 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 might be right, but I I'm sure that that has a little bit of a hard to play right it's that yeah. whole idea of like deplorables right yeah the, yeah the the, the left it's, is just calling everybody on the right deplorable and yeah well i think there's a broader cultural divide going on than any specific issue or than even the race issue right like there's and i i think this is shown by the like the trump trump's increase in the latino vote mm -hmm. um there there is certainly in this country this uh growing divide between like for want of a better word the coastal elite <laughs> and the people in flyover country right like right. um right. and i've you know read some 
kind of interesting books about this, like Americans today are far less likely to sort of um, have contact across uh, like social mm. class lines than, than in the past, mm-hmm. far more likely to sort of live with, work with, associate with people of a similar socioeconomic class. Yeah. And I do... I do think people here, if you are sort of in the college-educated um, class uh, and mm-hmm. you're sort of – all your friends are as well and all your family is as well, um, I do think there's a, a big disconnect from non-college-educated people. Like, f- I mean, me even. Like, I, I move here and, like, I have very little contact with any non-college-educated people. Like it just, it's, it, American life doesn't really make that kind of contact happen very often, I think, for a lot of people. And I think it's actually happening less and less. And, and so. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I wonder though, like it, it almost seems to me like, well, you know, the election happened and there's a lot of hand wringing of like, how, how could people vote for Trump and stuff like that? Like, why are all these people in Indiana voting for Trump? And I just feel like, well, when's the last time you spoke to somebody without a college degree in Indiana? Like we can't just as like, and this is, I guess gets back to what Andrew Yang was saying is like, we can't just live in our bubble and inhabit completely different information ecosystems. And, you know, we, we are reading like Vox uh, and watching, Mm -hmm. I don't know, um, MSNBC and people in Indiana are watching Fox News and reading, uh, like, I don't know, Playboy. Yeah. <laughs> and and then just every four years, just expect them to vote yeah, the way exactly we, like we want do. them to vote. Right. like And expect them to, like, understand that, oh, defunding the police, it's a lot more complex than that. Like, actually, people, you know, we... Not we don't just want to defund the police. We you know like you need to do the reading. You need to understand that this is a nuanced position, and we're actually calling for like a more allocation of social services to try to prevent the need for police. Yada yada yada. Like it's like that kind of that kind of outreach, that kind of contact doesn't doesn't seem to happen very much. And so this this reaction of like how how on earth are these people? I know. And then and then just to say, well, if you voted for him. In, you might not be a white supremacist, but you're okay with white supremacy. Right. Yeah. Is like, well, you don't You don't know that. You don't you don't really know what information this person has about the two parties. Like you don't really know what their conception of the Democrats and what they want is. Uh or their conception of Trump and what Trump wants is. And I do find it interesting because like like you could they, there's all these things you can point to that Trump did that you could say are like anti-Latino, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I, you know, it was horrible, I think, to treat uh, the Dreamers like this political, yeah. political yeah. bargaining chip, and like have these young people with, you know, and like make them feel unsafe. Like this, the family separation thing, right. you know, was obviously horrible and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And you know, even his remarks about Mexicans when he started his campaign, oh, yeah. right, right? But they're all rapists. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But as a president. I can't think of that many things he's done that have been like explicitly anti-black, like at least in terms of policy. Um, I remember him saying like encouraging police to be like more, more, more violent, right? Like he gave this speech to some like police union or policeman's organization. And he was like, you know, I think you should rough him up a bit more. (laughs) And I thought that's incredibly like irresponsible and, um, and harmful thing to say. Yeah. But when has Trump ever done anything responsible? 
But, I mean, under Trump, black people were doing relatively well. Like, black unemployment hit, like, an all-time low. Um, and uh, I think black income hit an all-time high or something like that. And mm. rates of incarceration have been going steadily down. So, yeah, the the idea that, like, a vote for him is a vote for anti-black white supremacy, I'm not sure it really... Like, really yeah. holds that much water. Certainly there's people in his administration that are, like, anti-immigration, right? And it does seem largely anti-immigration from non-white countries. Like, I remember he said something about, we should have more people from Norway or something <laughs> like that, and yeah. which is clearly, like, you could hard to think of a more white country. So there's <laughs> certainly, Norway. like these goofy statements and stuff you can point to but like i just like the the idea that like yeah he he his administration was implementing white supremacy mm-hmm. at a policy level i'm not sure how much evidence there is to back that up um yeah and i totally agree with you that that it's it, like it's people who are just so surprised about like oh why how could people mm. vote for him mm. aren't having any conversations with people who probably did vote for him right. right and i and i think that is a problem so i was recently talking to a student of mine who's taiwanese mm. and she was talking about how like taiwanese people are sort of in like support of trump mm. but mostly because he's tough on china mm. so they it's like leverage for them because he was super tough on china and so they, they, so it's not that they're, you know, against black people or they're racist or any of this stuff. It's more for them, right? They mm. want their autonomy and they want to be separated from China. And so they appreciated that he was tougher on China. Mm. So it was, it was better for, they, they think that Biden will not be as tough on China, which is, mm. which is a problem for them. Um, yeah. There can be, yeah, I guess all it, sorts like, of idiosyncratic of, yeah, exactly. reasons. I know, like, um, like I don't know many conservative people in my in my life, but I, like back home, I had a good friend Same. from the uh, Ukraine, mm-hmm. and she voted conservative for the Australian conservatives. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, purely due to this history, personal history or family history of like negative experience with communists, right? And mm. I think like that you see that in the States. Uh, the popular group has been the Cubans. People have been talked about, oh, the Cubans right, are scared right. of socialism. In Miami, they were in Miami. Voting for, yep. mm-hmm. They they voted against Biden because they are right, right, they're right. scared of socialism. And I mean it's easy to say, okay, that's that's ignorant. Biden's not a socialist. But at this at the same time, like it's people um like on the left we say well you shouldn't vote for trump because he's a fascist right mm-hmm. yeah. and if you look at his actual policies it's not exactly fascism but you're what you're doing is you're looking at well what direction is he moving the country towards right so like it's right. it 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 seems like hypocritical to me to say oh well that's silly for them to equate the left with socialism um when you can say that the left is trying to push the country in a socialist direction like it's it is it's not a a a binary thing like if Mm -hmm. if you want to if you want to raise taxes if you want uh more social services which i i do i think you Mm -hmm. you are pushing the country in a socialist direction so if you if your family has suffered deeply under socialist government so i mean people from cuba their families have fled communism um so it's not i mean like it's it's yeah for me it seems uh, irrational to equate joe biden and the democratic party with socialism but like it's it's also 
you could argue equally irrational to um, equate you know Trump, Trump with, with the Nazis. Fascism. Although he is, he did tweet today <laughs> that he won Pennsylvania. Did you see that? Is he still tweeting? He's, yeah, why he's aren't still... they still allowing him to tweet? Yeah, like, when right. are we going to take him? Like, I, th- I think Twitter should have taken one for the team a long time ago mm. and taken him off. Like, I know mm. that would have meant probably you know mm. less revenue for them or what, whatever. But they really should have canceled his account. Well, that's interesting because doesn't that go against your stance, previous stances you've taken on this podcast about free speech? But I, well, but at at the same time, if Hitler was on Twitter, yeah, you know, don't you think we would have some responsibility to say, like, yeah, mm. we cannot allow this kind of right at some point, yeah, if if it's hurting people's well, lives and yeah, if he's telling I mean, people not to wear masks and he's, you know, mm. yeah, you know, but what's your um, what's the litmus test, right? Like you just said, if it's hurting. If it's hurting people's lives, imagine I, how many things would fall under that category. <laughs> if, no, uh, I, if you know, like, but you also some, have to take like, impact into account, right? Like, right. I mean, mm. like, if there's, you know, some Joe Schmo has fifty followers, mm. is just, you know, shouting on the side of the road, like that doesn't make a difference. But if mm. the president of the United States is, you know, spreading lies mm. and misinformation, like that is going to have some real impact. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, it's it's fascinating so i mean this is probably a whole other podcast but this is <laughs> yeah. this is something that these social media companies are you know really struggling with right now yeah is, um, no definitely and there are no easy answers right but yeah if hitler was on twitter what do you think we would do if hitler was on twitter yeah that's a tough one i mean like let's say let's take it seriously that like let there's a leader of some country who is you like know, america right trump Right, like but I, like, I, I, <laughs> so, but I don't know. Saying that you saying that you want a state incorrectly seems different to saying, you know, like my race is the the Better. master I race, mean, and we should exterminate people of different races. So, I mean, I mean, for example, I, I mean, like Al- Alexandra Ocasio Cortez has has said stuff that's not true. Like, if you go to her like Politifact file, she's made public statements that were. Yeah, politicians make inaccurate statements all the time. I, I, yeah, right. I, I think, like, I, I get where you're coming from, like, and ultimately, I th- I have always been sympathetic to utilitarianism as, mm. as ulti- the, like, the moral theory that makes right. the most sense. So, like, hmm. most, most moral arguments to me come down to, yeah, like, um, benefit versus harm. Maximizing. So, yeah. yeah, definitely, if you could convince me that there was enough harm averted um by banning somebody from twitter i guess i'd have to i'd have to be for it morally yeah um, and the other the it's other such thing a can of worms, also, it is but but here's the thing i mean when we're talking free speech we mean by the government right i'm focused on the government twitter is not a government institution right the government cannot stop you from saying things i think that's where free speech really comes into play but twitter mm. is a public enterprise they can they can choose not to allow you know, but somebody to have is, a platform. No, but like, didn't, but I totally, didn't, yeah, we take the, didn't we take the opposite position? Like in one of our early episodes, because this is the argument, right? Like this is like, well, you know, this, these institutions are private entities and they can decide what speech is okay. And, and this is why you can now get fired for saying like trans, trans women shouldn't 
Um, you are you are be, very right. You are very right. Fighting in combat sports with um, biological yeah. women. This brings us to a, a recent tweet. There was this. Um, do you want to talk about that? The um, the writer, the staff writer at um, what's the name of it? New Yorker, right? No, not the New Yorker. It was a, a minor public publication i think it was like largely a computer game publication but anyway um let me let me bring up the tweet um yeah all right so yeah um colin wright tweeted freelance writer tim stone posts the following in a comment section on a rock paper Uh, yeah so it's called rock paper Hmm. shot uh, this public rock paper shotgun and i think it's largely a video game uh, review website PC game reviews oh. previews subjectivity okay so I, I guess I was thinking of Jeffrey Tubin oh right so he says uh, I have profound respect for you and your life choices I also believe that questions like should trans women be allowed to compete in female sports and should male body trans women be housed in women's prisons are worthy of debate to forbid all debate on trans rights and to seek to silence and cancel people who don't unquestioningly unquestioning, uh, unquestioningly support one side of the argument seems horribly totalitarian to me so um, as a result of that comment he is now like banned from publishing in that in that magazine um and yeah it was interesting i mean the debate around it uh people were saying like well this doesn't seem fair this this seems like all he's saying is that he thinks this you know he's not saying that trans trans people aren't aren't women or like um he's just saying that it should be open to debate saying there are some tricky areas when it comes to prisons uh and like self-identification um but there is a difference between this and what Trump does. I mean, what he does is a lot of times mm. hate speech. If he's telling Congresswomen mm. that they need to go back to their country, if he's mm. telling... Me- yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I get what you're saying. People people yeah. definitely call this hate speech this hate now, speech. Though, right? Like, and this came up in sort of uh, some comments I was reading about it. So um, one one. Or like a lot of people were basically saying, yeah, like what this person is arguing for is exclusionary um, because it's exclusionary to trans people. So you. But should he's not. He's not even taking a stance. He's just saying, saying we should be able to. to yeah, right. but I think the response is like, well, like if I say I'm a woman and and you say that that's up for debate, up. then then you are like. Invalidating but he's not my saying identity. That, that, it, that it, you're you're, no, you're not like, a woman. He, he's he is, saying like, that should ex- trans women. He's right. talking about policy issues. No, no, right? no, like right, right. So, but if okay, so say you're a trans woman and you want to be included in women's sport, and somebody's mm. saying, oh, well, that's up for debate, then your inclusion is being put up for debate, mm. and I think you can make the argument that oh, well, I that's see. that's yeah. exclusionary, or at least that's that's the argument people are making. And right, they, right, right, right. People brought up this uh, the paradox of tolerance, so. Karl Popper yeah. wrote about this. Right, that too, um, that if you're tolerant to everybody, then yeah, the intolerant yeah. people, you'll also have to tolerate. A tolerant society needs to be intolerant of, of intolerant people. people. Right, right. right. And, yeah, like, I guess, like, to an extent, it's hard to argue against that. Yeah. Like, if you have tolerance as a principle, then you've taken a principle to stand against intolerance. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess where, where it, where it gets fuzzy is when 
like we get a little bit trigger happy with the intolerance ac- mm-hmm. accusation, right? Because yeah. like in this case, I think like all the person is saying is that like two things, right? If you have a um, a situation where like gender identity is completely just like um, completely up to the person as self-identification, mm-hmm. so that the minute you you say I'm a woman, I'm a woman, and you also say um, if you do say you're a woman, you can go to female prison. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not that far-fetched to me to think that, okay, so maybe some sexual predator uh, gets caught, gets convicted of rape, is goes to jail, and then says, oh, well, I should go to female jail because I now have decided that I yeah, identify Paul, as a woman. Yeah, but Paul, come on. How, like, it's plausible, but very improbable. Yeah, but you, I think you can um, accept that at the same time as saying, well, you know, our laws and our institutions should be uh, robust to this plausible but improbable um, possibility. Possibility. Right. Because it's actually not... Um, there, there was a trans MMA fighter who fought against women and, and without those other women knowing... Uh, that they were fighting somebody who was biologically born a man. So, like, yeah, that, yeah like that it's is. and like and it's, but there's probably the far time, too much attention being paid to these but, relatively rare activities. But I also, th- also but do th- you remember there was also the um, the female athlete who had apparently her testosterone levels were too high and they sort of banned her from Costa Semenya. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they were, they kind of told her that she couldn't play or she had to go through some hormone therapy or something to, to sort of lower her testosterone levels or maybe, and that is also absurd, right? Like I, it, like, yeah. I thought she was kind of intersex. Like she had, um, oh, she, oh no, she I thought- had gonads or something. And that was the reason for like, she was like a hermaphrodite or something like that. Oh, I I did not hear that. I thought she just there was just something. Take a timeout. Sure, yeah, yeah, let's do a timeout. She's an intersex cisgender woman assigned female at birth with XY chromosomes and naturally elevated testosterone levels. Wait, does it say she's intersex? Yeah, but I thought it said she had X X. I thought it said she had X. Oh, she has XY chromosomes. Mm. Oh, oh! So she is biologically male. Mm. Uh, oh, she was huh. assigned female at birth, but has XY chromosomes. Um, hmm. But is XY that is that male? That's male. Yeah, yeah right, Fem- right. Female is XX. Um, <clears throat> yeah, they've got like complicated, complicated situation, I guess. Yeah, um, that but that that is a really complicated situation. But I mean in her case if she grew up female then I don't think it it counts the same way as if you grew up as a man, right? I mean it, like the way you're like if she, I'm sure she has like elevated levels of testosterone, but they can't be as elevated as if she were a man. And right mm. in your body proportion, like your shoulder size, your mm. whatever, right? All your the muscle Mm. mass that you have i'm sure all that Mm. is not as extreme in her case as it would be if she were actually if she actually sort of Mm. developed as a male 
Yeah, I don't know. It's tricky, right? It's a tricky situation. Yeah. But I, de- I still don't think that that she should be made to take anything to alter her natural, you mm. know, hormone levels or any of that to be able to compete. Like, mm. that just seems wrong to me. Mm. But I don't know. Yeah. Is it unfair for for the other women that are running against her? Mm. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, uh hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 tricky, and the f- the fact that we we are here and we are like it's tricky suggests that yeah, maybe this guy has a point that you know some of this <laughs> some of this stuff is is worthy of debate. Of debate. Uh, and you shouldn't get fired for your job for saying yeah. that or banned from publishing somewhere. Um, so where are we? So we think that Trump should not be banned from Twitter. Well, uh, look, I. Right, right now, that's a tough call to make because you know, if if he's still saying I won Pennsylvania, <laughs> and, I didn't see that. And yeah. he has, you know, I don't know, twenty percent, thirty percent of the country, like believe. Like I'm not sure how many people are taking what he says at this point seriously. Like it, but uh, it's it's very hard for us to know. I haven't really yeah. seen any polling data on um do you think the democrats rigged the election or not have you no i have not Mm -hmm. i i don't even look at polls i don't even know how much we can trust the polls like i think the people that we aren't hearing from that we should hear from aren't taking those polls Mm -hmm. i think that's why all of this like you know hoopla about oh all the polls are totally off and this and that i'm like yeah Mm because who takes polls who do you think is taking polls Mm -hmm. um yeah, people that are willing to answer their phones, it, or it, yeah, it, the, yeah, it's it's deeply flawed. I think the system. Yeah, the it last really two is. elections have shown yeah. that. That was an interesting thing too. You know, like I, I saw a lot of psychologists de- debating um, whether the polls really were as bad as all that. Um, I think I feel like they were pretty bad. Like they consistently have been off in two elections in a row. And consistently the, in one direction, right? Like overestimating or underestimating the Trump vote. So that is that does seem to be like a serious problem. But they, I mean, but they weren't super off, right? Again, I don't follow polls. I don't even understand all the math, like how the things mm. work. But it, it seems like it didn't seem like stuff was super off. In some in some states, I think it was like by eight percentage points or something, mm. which does seem like a lot. Mm. But I think in a lot of cases. Again, I, I don't know what I'm talking about here. Yeah, so. yeah. I, I, I heard some reports that it was, like, w- like way off in some places. Um, yeah. Like, it, in Miami, Dade County, and in in some other places, like mid Midwest places, it vastly, yeah. vastly overestimated. But it yeah. also, yeah, just that fact of con- consistently missing in one direction is, I think, a worry. It is a worry. Which brings us to, I mean, you shared this article with me, which is this opinion piece in New York Times um, by this opinion columnist, Charles Blow, um, which was exit polls point to the power of white patriarchy. Hmm. And in this article, in this opinion piece, I mean, the argument he's making essentially is that some people are, okay, this this is the... by the tagline is like some people who have historically been oppressed will stand with their oppressors 
Mm. And the argument that he's essentially making is that by voting for Trump, these people are just um, supporting white supremacy. Mm. And they are essentially, I mean, in his mm. the last part, he's like all... So he says in the last paragraph, all of this to me points to the power of the white patriarchy and the coattail it has of those who depend on it or aspire to it. Mm. And he's saying some people who have historically been oppressed will stand with the oppressor and will aspire to power by proximity. Mm. Mm. And that just makes no sense to me. Mm. And he gives no evidence for anything in this article. And he's just saying that somehow by voting for Trump, people are supporting and they want to sort of affiliate with power mm. and they're supporting white mm. white supremacy or patriarchy. And yeah, well, it's such far-fetched claims and there's just no evidence for any of it. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, uh, on one hand, it's it's a very sort of unfalsifiable yeah. well worldview. Like it's, it's evidence of a very unfalsifiable worldview because if, if you think... You know, um, Trump's the Trump Republicans are white supremacists, and you know, white people who vote for them are voting for them for motives of white supremacy. And then you're presented counter evidence that oh well, like quite a lot of Latinos and Black people voted for him, you know, more than in 2016. And you say, well, that's just further evidence that it's all white, (laughs) white, white supremacy, because I mean, like maybe, but. Yeah, it, it just it just goes to show. I think guess one one thing we wanted to really talk about in this episode is like how much there were the, just the, all these takes after the election, and how much this really complex, ambiguous event was just treated by so many people as confirming like their preconceived uh, beliefs yeah. ab- about the Confirmation world. Confirmation bias. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think you know uh, Sam Harris is equally as guilty of that mm. as as Charles Blow. But I I do think there's something really interesting to be taken out of this election with the Latino vote. I mm. I do. Uh and I don't I don't pretend to fully understand it, but I I'm interested in digging into it a little bit more. So like right. it seems like Trump pretty substantially increased his Latino vote mm-hmm. um in this election. And yeah, there, there's the Cubans uh, in Miami who right. um, were um, sort of targeted and there was these Biden is a socialist campaigns to try to right. tar- target that group. But it wasn't right. just them. It wasn't just them. Like I saw a graph today showing that in Texas, there was this really like strong relationship between how Latino a county was and its shift towards Trump. And the, the most heavily Latino counties were on average shifting towards Trump by about two percentage points yeah. in this election. So there is something there is something going on there that's peculiar because a lot of the a lot of the identity based attacks uh, on Trump have mm-hmm. been you know, like I said earlier, targeted towards like things that he's done that have been interpreted as sort of racist against Latinos. Um, and so, yeah, this is one thing like my wife and I talked about this the day after the election mm-hmm. and, and just sort of talking about how like clearly like the Latino community is not convinced that Trump is just out to oppress them. Right. Like it's clearly like not been an effective strategy just to consistently paint him as this uh, racist monster. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like uh, it clearly like a lot of Latinos don't 
buy into that. And like like you said, like abortion, right. um, abortion right. can be an right, issue. Right, right, like right. for religious Catholic people, I know like my, my wife's auntie would probably fall into that category if she mm-hmm. was a voter. Um, the there's just taxes too like my wife knows another trump supporter who is a latino in texas who just flat out kind of said yeah i'm just voting for trump it's purely Mm. self-interested it's about it's Mm. about taxes and i think that yeah this uh diploma divide uh and oh yeah just the fact that yeah like a lot of latinos are working class people and Mm -hmm. you know not not particularly like yeah, just not particularly involved in this these culture war issues and battles about white privilege and white supremacy and kind of like yeah uh, a fairly like um, not politically engaged. I mean, I I remember like I was doing um, canvassing out in um, the Central Valley mm-hmm. in twenty six no twenty eighteen and um, yeah like I just met a lot of young latino people who were just very very non-political right like mm-hmm. um just kids that would kind of just laugh and say look dude I, I don't know anything about this stuff like honestly mm-hmm. and i would try to tell them well you know like do you know anybody who's a dreamer because uh, mm-hmm. this and they were just like yeah you're wasting your time like i just don't oh. really i don't really care about this stuff and i just <laughs> think like there's like a lot of those people i mean i took a road trip across this country um at about that time, and I remember thinking, so we went through the, sort of the south, so like California, Arizona, New Mexico, to get mm-hmm. to like my wife's parents' place in Texas. Mm-hmm. And one thing that really stood out to me is just like like how many Latinos there are in that yeah. part, that part of <laughs> yeah. the world. Like it's like hugely, like hugely Latino. Mm-hmm. And just that like, I remember, yeah, I remember this one time very clearly, like we were filling up gas and there were these a bunch of latino dudes um who had these big trucks and they were filling up gas and they were filling up four wheelers because mm-hmm. like four wheelers are really popular in arizona yeah. like this is yeah. like in these small towns like between the big cities i saw like so many people were like this is clearly what they do for fun like on the weekend is like they have these four-wheel motorbikes and they must just take them out and like ride right. them around the desert and, and stuff yeah. like that and they had these like big shiny trucks and these big shiny four wheelers and i remember thinking to myself like these people like are not like this is the democrats are not really talking to these these guys mm, right like no. the the yeah. message the message of like vote for us cuz we will we we will fight white supremacy and white privilege mm-hmm. vote for us b- because we are more inclusive of the lgbtq community mm-hmm. like vote for us because we will deal with police violence and yeah like, and we'll change not, latino to latinx right like right? these these people are much like i like i don't know like i mean i didn't talk to these guys they, they <laughs> might be really like involved in the trans bathroom rights issue yeah, but, right. but i doubt it like i really doubt it and yeah. i just think that like it's totally true what andrew yang says like that i i think if we asked these guys what they think of the democratic party I, mm-hmm. like i'm not sure how much they would really know about their policies and I, i'm not sure they could really name anything that the democrats are doing for them like i I think they probably it boils down a lot to oh they want to raise my taxes or Mm -hmm. um yeah i I, I don't know i just don't know 
I don't know really what the Democrats represent to people like that. And I think that these guys, there's just no way that they see themselves as victims of like racial oppression. I I think that Mm. they probably feel pretty lucky to be in the US and to be able to afford these big shiny trucks and <laughs> yeah. big four-wheel. I mean, I would want a big shiny four-wheeler <laughs> and just, like, you know, right. drive it around the desert. That, that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, where was I? I was going to say, uh, yeah, it comes back to this uh, diploma divide. The The idea that, the, you know, the Democratic Party is made up of really highly educated people and largely right. talks to highly educated people. Right, right. And, uh, you know, and is being come to be seen as this party for sort of educated elites um, that are very concerned with sort of um, cultural issues uh, and political correctness and things like this rather than, yeah, improving working class people's lives. And obviously Um, the, the Republicans are not in the business of improving working class people's lives. Um, But at the same time, yeah, like in one of these articles that we read, like it it does seem that they are becoming the party that's increasingly embraced by the working class in this country. Um, And I do. Yeah. So one of the other articles you shared with me was in in The Atlantic by Derek Thompson, which I thought was a great, great article um, titled The Most Important Divide in American Politics Isn't Race. Um, and I love the last part, like the very last two sentences of his uh, this article, which I think just like sums everything up pretty well. Um, and it says, demographics were never destiny. Density and diplomas form the most important divide in American politics, at least for now. Hmm. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. Right? I think we're talking a lot about, you know, um, race and, hmm. you know, you know, these other identity issues and all this stuff. But I think hmm. it really just comes down to, in a lot of cases, probably education. Like, a lot of people just probably aren't aware and are ignorant and don't read the same sources we do and don't, you know, think about the kind of issues or think as much about just issues that the people on the coast do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, yeah, like, I, I'm i I'm worried that this, this divide is just going to keep growing. Yeah, right? right? Yeah. It's... It's certainly, yeah, it's certainly hard for me. And we, we touched on this last week. Um, hard for me to see how it how it changes, right? Like, yeah. because, yeah, there's not, yeah. So if there's a, like, you have a rural area that's heavily Republican, mm-hmm. right? Like, or heavily just, like, anti-Democrat or, like, yeah. you know, the Republican Party is... Um, most people there vote Republican. Mm-hmm. Like, if like people that are Democratic want to leave those places, right? Uh, right. And vice versa, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I I, th- I feel like if you were Republican, it, it it would be really hard to stay like in Berkeley, for example. Yeah, yeah. Right. It must be super tough. Yeah. And so, like ge- geographically, it's I, I I just think it's almost inevitable that this polarization increases um and you and just with media these days right like we we now with social media you can really just see news feeds that um confirm your pre-existing views uh you can 
just sort of surround yourself Focus with on that, yeah. people that think the same way as you. Uh, all your sort of cross ideology uh, ideology interactions are likely to be like negative if they <laughs> yeah. if they they occur yeah. on online. Yeah. Um, because and it's these these platforms seem like almost like like perfectly designed to, to like lead to polarization, yeah, argument and um, it's exactly. very and it's it, it's very what yeah, like it's it's very difficult to di- disagree like cordially, uh, yeah. like on on Twitter or on Facebook or something like that, yeah. and people just are deleting each other like crazy. <laughs> like there was actually that paper I thought was really interesting that was linked to in the the Greater Good document that you sent so mm-hmm. so you sent me this document produced by the greater good science center uh at berkeley mm-hmm. about uh quote-unquote building bridges so mm-hmm. it was kind of like a guidebook for how to right. like reach out across party lines and mm-hmm. and lead to more um unity and diversity and i i think zed jelani probably worked on it because he worked for the he's a journalist he no longer works for the greater good science center mm. but he was um he Part was of. employed by them for a while working on issues mm-hmm. of polarization. I so see. I think he probably worked on it. Um, he's a good follow on Twitter, by the way, if you don't follow nice. him. Yeah. Uh, Z-A-I-D Jelani, J-I-L-A-N-I. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's a smart guy. I'd love to have him on the pod, but he might be a bit too big time for us. But anyway, <laughs> they linked to this political science paper showing that um, people are... Uh, people are spending less time with um family people are spending less time with family in areas where there's more sort of uh political division right so i don't know totally the methodology of this paper maybe i'll take a time out and we can look it up okay so i i found the paper and essentially what they did seems very complicated and difficult but they used um iPhone tracking data Mm -hmm. to look at how many people were sort of crossing from um, uh, like blue voting districts to red voting districts uh, for Thanksgiving Mm. dinner. Um, And they found it sort of dramatically reduced after 2016. So they say that um, using anonymous smartphone location data and precinct level voting, we show that Thanksgiving dinners attended by residents from opposing party precincts were 30 to 50 minutes shorter than same party dinners. This decline from a mean of 257 minutes survives extensive control variables. Um, yeah, so they're you're basically looking at um, how many people, and I guess they're just assuming if you're from a blue district, you're more likely to be blue and from more likely to be red if you're from a red district right. but basically showing that thanksgiving dinners so i guess just targeting thanksgiving day and that time those were much uh, shorter um after the 2016 election um just a sign of um i guess yeah families yeah families not uh not feeling as close to each other yeah. if they yeah very interesting um it is data super interesting and analysis and- a friend of mine recently was telling me, um, so he's Filipino and his, I mean, him and, him and his wife are super, you know, progressive and of course like we're Democrat, but his family is super, super like Trump support, like they're mm. Trump supporters. Mm. Um, and he mentioned that when he met them recently, like usually they could just avoid, like they just don't talk about politics. Mm. But he was like, this time, like we met recently and 
him and his wife were wearing a mask and the rest mm. of his family just wasn't and he's mm. like now it was just like it's the div- divide is just now so obvious and so palpable right because mm. you know here we are and it, like you, there's no way to avoid it mm. um and i can i'm sure that that's happening all across like i've i have a friend in that lives in atlanta georgia I was talking to her and same thing, right? There are parts of her husband's family who just don't, aren't following the guides and aren't wearing masks. And it's, yeah, that's, yeah. It, I'm sure it's creating just so much more divide, this whole situation and the Trump presidency. Right? Yeah, yeah. So well, this, the, this document that the Greater Good Science Center put out, um, yeah. is kind of like a, um, how would you describe it? It's like a guidebook for <laughs> how to bridge differences. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting because it really like um like some of the recommendations it makes you just sort of see how rarely uh people will approach things in that way so like i mean one thing it says is like you should not go into um a uh sort of you should not go into an interaction with the goal to change a person's opinion right (laughs) and like i'm sure that like the vast majority of liberal people if they were to be reaching out to trump voters Mm. it would be very very difficult for them not to have the goal of changing their opinion and i also think that very very few left-leaning people or right-leaning people for that matter would enter an interaction with a trump voter sort of willing to have their own mind changed at all right right yeah Yeah. but this is like yeah that's so that's so hard and i think like that like, I mean, one thing that I saw a lot after the election was this sort of um, angry reaction to this, to the Andrew Yang view, yeah. which is like, w- what, like, no, these people, these people don't deserve, like, our, they they don't do this for us, so why should we do this for mm-hmm. them? Like, right? Like, we don't get empathy uh, from Trump voters. Why mm-hmm. should we be trying to understand them? Why should it all be one way? Mm-hmm. And I, kind of, I guess I sympathize with that point of view. And I do think there's something to that. Like, I don't, th- I don't think there's a, a greater good science center. <laughs> like, there's an equivalent document from, like, a right-leaning institution about how to, like, empathize and understand with your left-wing fa- <laughs> family members. So it does seem very asymmetric, but I yeah, also... But that's how it's... But that's... I mean, I'll say the same thing I mentioned in the last episode, right? Which is... the we have to hold ourselves to a higher standard right yeah i was going to bring that up too right Um, exactly like you said like we if we think we're better than the (laughs) right then we should we should be better like we should be able to be the bigger people because it is like (laughs) that so james Lindsay, um i just shared this with you before he retweeted he retweeted this guy yeah and essentially what the guy was saying is like um empathy like calls for empathy for trump Mm -hmm. supporters are themselves a tool of oppression right um let's read let's actually read the tweet let's read so some random person not james Lindsay, but somebody else said this Mm. right yeah 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 and he was retweeting him and he had something quite interesting and hyperbolic to say about it though let's bring up the tweet um okay so the tweet was always be critical about who is extended the privilege of empathy 
Empathy can be weaponized as a tool of oppression and violence like everything else. When those in power make calls for empathy, ask empathy for whom and take note of who is not afforded that privilege. When empathy is constantly being asked to be given to white supremacists more than the people that white supremacy targets and harms, something is up. And James Lindsay retweeted it and he said, the seed of a genocide, comma, in case you didn't know what they look like. Okay, so this tweeter, it's, he's a blue check mark. He's not a nobody. Um, mm. Johnny Sun is his name. So he's saying, he's saying that thing that I, I yeah, he's this point of view of like, well, why, why should we be empathetic towards Nazis? I guess like, in his, in his eyes, all Trump, like he's he's in the camp of all Trump voters are white supremacists and. Like, we shouldn't be trying to understand these people or empathize with them or reach out to them or understand them. Um, uh, because, yeah, if it's if it's always one way, this is a tool of... This can be a tool of oppression in itself. Um, I Like, I, I guess so. Mm. I, don't, mm. I don't think anybody calling for us to be empathetic and try to understand why people vote for Trump is at the same time saying we shouldn't be empathetic or try to, to anybody understand, exactly um uh, black people's you know yeah, like or rioters yeah. or mm-hmm. stuff like right. that and and in fact i i think there was a, a lot of people like trying to extend empathy for people like rioting and looting and stuff mm-hmm. like that um there was a big effort right so um yeah like i and yeah, I, I, I don't agree with this this tweet at all. And it's amazing to me that it has like almost 23,000 likes and 4,000 mm. retweets. I mean, yeah. if, if, if you think that empathy is a privilege that only some people are afforded, like, I don't even think you're talking about empathy in that case. Like, that's not what empathy is. And again, this weird mm. idea that just because we are not afforded, like, well, nobody's empathizing with us, that we shouldn't empathize with others... Like, you know, the eye for, an eye for an eye turns the, the world yeah. blind, right? You can't, like, that cannot be yeah. your outlook if you are, if you want to make real progress, you know? No, no. I, I, I guess I kind of agree. And I, I just think, like, if... <laughs> yeah, like, I agree with James is, Lindsay, too. Like, he's also totally being, you know, totally right. dramatic. <laughs> yeah, right. But, the, but, like, the seed of a genocide. It's not, like, come on, yeah. bruh. Like... Um, <laughs> But yeah, like I, I, yeah. So I guess if you are willing to say, yeah, there's like the, this thirty percent of the country doesn't deserve empathy. Should not we should not be trying to understand these people? But uh, mm. yeah, but it's like think about it. If I was born to racist parents in a mm. racist neighborhood with racist friends, mm. I would probably be racist too. Like, it's very odd to me that people don't acknowledge that. Yeah, yeah. I guess, like, even literal white supremacists, the best thing to do is probably, like, try to be empathetic and listen. So there's there's a, a guy who um, has... Uh, well, there's, there's some, like, ex-white supremacists who have sort of reformed their life and now have devoted their life to trying to get people out of, mm-hmm. like white white supremacy groups um, have you seen that documentary a- with the woman who went into this like 
Yeah, yeah. To live with those, to spend some time with these white supremacists and attended rallies and stuff. Yeah. I, Excellent documentary. Would 100% recommend it. I need to find that name. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll find it and put it in the show notes for sure. Yes. There's, there's also a black guy who has, like, turned around the lives of, like, hundreds mm. of hundreds of KKK members just oh, wow. by, like, going and chatting with them. Mm. Right? Like, so, I'd say, like, this... That person has done a lot more to fight right. fight white supremacy than this tweeter, most likely, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And he's done it by, like, trying to be empathetic and, yeah. and trying to... Um, so, yeah, like, it doesn't... Hmm. It yeah, I, I don't know what, what I really want to say about this. It, it's certainly, like, I, I do think you're right. Like, we should be trying to be better than mm-hmm. than the right like and I, and i do think like the po- problem of polarization is such that like yeah unless one unless mm-hmm. one side is willing to like re- extend like an olive and, branch right right yeah. right the, it's called yeah so it's um her name was is dia khan and the mm-hmm, film is yeah. called white rights meeting the enemy mm-hmm. and and jihad a story of others very very Netflix. It's probably on Netflix, but ex- mm. excellent documentary. And it's yeah. amazing because you see her changing people's mind in real time. Mm. Yeah. Like there's this man who's just sort of struggling with it mm. because she kind of sort of confronts him at one point And she's mm. saying like, what you're saying is that people like me should not be, mm. you know, living here or be or all that stuff. And you just sort of yeah. the, 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 you know, gears moving inside his head in that in real time. And it's really amazing. Like, how else are you going to change people's mind? Unless yeah. you're willing to talk to them and yeah. understand what they're where they're coming from, yeah, you know, yeah. we look. We have to look for the humanity in each other. Like, it, I don't think there's any way. I don't know, Smriti. Maybe we just <laughs> double down on calling people racist if they don't <gasps> vote for the party that we want them to vote for us. See how that <gasps> no, goes. Because, like, any day now, it's going to start working. Any day. <laughs> I think, like, uh, this is actually an interesting thing because, like, on the trans issue, yeah, I would say trans. Trans activists are being quite like quite successful right now with this strategy of like anybody like just this sort of scorched earth strategy of anybody who even says anything related to us is up for debate is cancelled. Mm-hmm. Um, they seem to like that seems to be working for them right now. I think like the culture is kind of moving in the directions that they want it to. Like there was another thing that happened this week where like just a random person on Twitter tweeted to target that they were offended by this book that Target oh, was st- stocking the right. Abigail Trier book or something like that. Mm-hmm. And as a result, <laughs> Target just tweeted back saying, oh, we're going to stop stocking it now. Mm-hmm. Like just based on one, one person tweeting at them that this right. was like book and like, and the, I guess the cultural threat of being like labeled as transphobic and stuff like that. So it seems to be maybe, maybe working in the case of trans issues. It definitely, I think like, I don't know much about uh, the Brexit campaign, but it, I've I think a lot of pe- I've heard a lot of people suggest that this strategy of like if you vote for Brexit, you're a racist was quite counterproductive. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that, so yeah, I, like honestly, I don't know. These things are really really complicated. Um, yeah, and you know, life is complicated. But 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 I think. And, you know, I was thinking about this. I mean, if people are getting 
canceled and don't like losing their jobs for tweeting that trans issues should be are up for debate i was like what are paul and i doing here just like you know mouthing mm. off about e- everything under the sun mm. without like <laughs> thinking about <laughs> the implications yeah. for that but yeah, at the same yeah. time like you know I-, I think conversations like these are important like mm. the-, the world is not black and white and well, people I- need to stop acting like it is you know I've actually like, um, and this is, yeah, like, I mean, like touch wood, but I, I think like since we've been making this podcast, I have realized that we probably like um, were, were too sort of overly cautious before we started doing it. Like, I actually think like, really, it seems like psychologists are, are more open-minded. Like, like we <laughs> haven't, apart from that one negative comment on... Um, on that Apple review. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I mean, people might disagree with us about stuff. Uh, like right. Rob, Ch- Rob Chavez said, he doesn't agree with everything we say. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely our friend Manny doesn't agree with everything we say. <laughs> yeah. But like, I don't know. Like, I, I think psychologists are maybe a bit more open-minded than some other some other communities. Because, um, I, 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 you I know, I think we, so. we're used to, like, think about things in a relatively nuanced way. And yeah. we understand that there's confirmation bias and, right. like, everybody has bias and yeah. um, these and complex group dynamics. And everybody's product, you know, of their, mm. you know, of their genes, of their environment, of their mm. upbringing, of their, you know, mm. like, who else understands that better than us, right? How these things shape who mm. people turn out to be, right? And if we will not empathize with everybody then who else will Mm. yeah yeah so i don't know i think um yeah like i'm not sure we've made any real progress yeah i guess like (laughs) so in terms of like in terms of the polarization uh you know this is i mean yeah so we invited um we invited Rachel on. She's not sure she wants to come on. Like, but mm-hmm. it, I think it is, it is a really interesting topic to me. I mean, I'm not, I just don't, I just don't see many viable pathways. Like I said, last pod, like Biden says he's going to heal the country. And I just don't, I don't see how, like, I, I don't see how. Um, I mean, I don't know, maybe just like Trump not being in office, I think might make a mm-hmm. difference. Well, yeah, he certainly, he certainly is um, such a polarizing figure, and yeah. he really. Once he's in his, jail, I think things will get a lot better. His whole persona was like, like delighting in antagonizing the left, right? Like so many yeah. things, so many things that they've done have been sort of just to troll or just to outrage, or yeah. Um, but like, he's. <laughs> I don't know, right? Like he if uh, he leaves office, I mean people are saying he might run in 2024 and I mm. don't think that's totally out of the question. And I also just think he has sort of like created a monster in terms of like showing people that this is how you can win the Republican primary. Like this mm. is how you can uh win one uh, one election, nearly win another. And let's be honest, like if there was no covid, he might have won. I mean, we forget, but like a year or two ago, a year or two ago, everybody was predicting he was going to win again. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And I mean, I'm I'm still not like we think that Biden has won, but I, I, you know, mm. I'm still one of those people that's like, yeah, but Trump is still in office, and Mm. I'll kind of see believe it when I see this, right? Right, right. Yeah, like the Supreme Court is in his, you know, 
Yeah, it's still uh, a very dangerous situation. It, and it he's really is. Firing everybody that's not completely yeah. loyal to him from the yeah. de- defense department, it's just the leadership. Scary. So there's and and yes, like I said before, still tweeting that he won Pennsylvania. So like oh, that is a it is like a scary situation if you if you think about it. I think like yeah, I I'm still sort of taking my lead from you know Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and yeah. and. And they just seem to be sort of calmly planning to take power. And and so far the courts have been great, right? Like every single single false claim has just been rejected. Every single court so far has kind of said, well, Mm -hmm. where's where's your evidence? Oh, oh, you don't have evidence. In that case, I'm going to do my job and rule against you. So, Mm. yeah, it's, it's... but it's difficult to know. And I think probably everybody's in this position is like, there's this uneasiness. Yeah. You're not, there's this lingering threat, but you're not sure how to, how seriously to take it. Um, yeah. Because everybody, I think even Trump supporters know that him tweeting, we won Pennsylvania is, <laughs> you know, is very speculative <laughs> and is like, pro- probably not based on very much. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm I'm only friends on Facebook with one Trump supporter, mm-hmm. and she seems to pr- pretty much understand that he lost the election. Like, she's posted a few jokey memes about how, uh, you know, Democrats think they won, but then they're gonna like. She posted one meme of like this boat, which was Democrats su- and Democrats supporting no Democrats celebrating the election was in type on the boat and then there was an iceberg and the iceberg iceberg was supreme court Um, oh see but that that is what i'm afraid of but i mean but it has to go through the lower courts first so i think there's something promising about the lower court sort of but it only has to Mm. happen Mm. once right it Mm. only has to find one path up the supreme court and then things will get a little yeah but at the moment i mean the final count is like Biden has 306 electoral votes. Like it was pretty convincing in the end. Mm. Like he's flipped like five states, right? Like Arizona, yeah. Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Georgia. Georgia. Am I forgetting one? Alaska? No, he didn't. Yeah, did he get Alaska? No. He didn't flip Alaska. Uh, yeah, so I I don't know. Like there's, that's a lot of evidence that they're going to have to come up with uh, a fraud when mm-hmm. there's there's just nothing Fair. nothing is is sticking and um yeah so it's um but but is he going to concede i don't think so right? yeah that, that right right like which um, is which is in itself in and of itself is a big deal don't you think yeah yeah totally i mean yeah. it shows yeah it shows it, his... we're, we're working with a kid here right this is not even a full-grown adult yeah no. yeah yeah it's uh yeah, he's just like America found its worst person and made <laughs> made him president. Like I, but I can't he, think of a worse person than this guy. Like, but I honestly think he does exemplify everything that is wrong in the world today. I think there's too much um, reality TV. And people just, you know, they shut off their brains. They don't want to read. They just want to watch entertainment. People Mm. like just like overconfidence without any substance, right? So somebody just coming Mm. out saying, you know, beating their chest and saying, Mm. I'll do this and I'll do that. Somehow Mm. that's more appealing in a lot of cases than, I mean, I'm Mm. sort of like saying all these things, right? I think there are people who vote for him for other reasons, but I think people who like him, like him for all those reasons. But I think Mm. that those are all the wrong reasons. Yeah. 
if yeah i it's it's interesting i i there was i forget which part i was listening to recently but it might have been sam harris where he was sort of talking about like some some of trump's character flaws are a godsend right like some of like his in in a lot of ways his like all-encompassing like egomania prevents him from being like a real threat to say like people of color because he's like he doesn't really have any commitment to some cause larger than himself which you know Mm. hitler definitely did right right? pol pot definitely did stalin definitely did like the the truly the truly harmful dictators have all been like shared a lot of like in common with trump but they also like had these political commitments beyond like Mm -hmm. just everybody own, has to respect yeah. me and and right. look up to me and and then i don't mm-hmm. i don't really care about policies and i don't like yeah. so in some ways like yeah like if he was um if he was a less lazy person he would have been much more damaging potentially to yeah. like yeah, p- different groups and like yeah, for all his flaws, like I, like a lot of people make the argument that Bush was worse because Bush was Bush was much more right. like aggressive in foreign policy and right. starting wars and yeah. invading countries, and Trump yeah. just doesn't have the attention span for that, <laughs> or and the competence to carry any of it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like he's he's been like relatively benign from a foreign policy point of view. Yeah, like he's a fascinating character. Like I, I think like. He will continue to confound historians uh, and yeah. any, anybody that looks back at this this time in history because he's such an he's such an outlier. Like he's so unlike any other president that yeah. this country's had, and hopefully will have. You know, I, oh, fingers crossed. I hope he doesn't just become the playbook for yeah. the right, and we get yeah. more Trumps. I think, but I he's know. just such an unusual personality that it's hard to imagine anybody else really sort stepping of into living up to that yeah yeah you- but it, but i so i shared with you also the recent um article that um Tra- uh, obama wrote mm. or like the little sort of um, yeah, yeah, thing he yeah. wrote for the atlantic mm. and i was just like oh my god like somebody that can you know string together sentences and not just yeah. sentences they're yeah. you know beautiful sentences yeah. like what a what a contrast yeah, actually, like at the end of this podcast, I'm going to post something. I'm going to post Obama's concession speech because it actually it came up on one of my feeds today, and the contrast with Trump could just could not be more stark. Wait, his like, concession speech? Well, no, so not his concession speech, but he made a speech after Trump um, won the won. election. Oh. Sort sort of like I guess it wasn't technically a concession speech, but it was like acknowledging that Trump won, right. acknowledging that he will peacefully hand over power. Mm-hmm. Uh, acknowledging that you don't always get what you want in politics, oh, but you yeah. dust yourself off and, and then right, you try again. Right. But he he's, you know, so eloquent. It's it's a nice speech. I'll put it at the end of the podcast just to, like, highlight... Um, the, the contrast. The absolute... Yeah, it couldn't be more opposite, right? Yeah. You couldn't find two people more opposite than Trump and Obama. Like, it's really... It's really remarkable. And, yeah, I, like, I... That just absolute unshakable self-confidence is something that i think a lot of highly successful people have um you mean trump's unshakable yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. no you're absolutely right and that's what i think there's almost something pathological Mm. about how much people in this country value confidence Mm. right like and and when i was growing up and i want to talk to don about it don moore i Mm. want to have him on 
Like when I was growing up, we were always told not to be overconfident. We used to mm. call it oversmart. Like, mm. don't be oversmart, right? There's this idea of like, don't try to be laugh like you know more than you do or be mm. too confident in yourself, right? Check your math, you know, again and again. Never be too confident. And I don't hear it in this country at all. Like, at all. I have never heard in just like normal conversation anybody talking about how overconfidence is a bad thing. And I think that's a problem, right? Because I think people conflate confidence with competence. I think I've said it before, but I, mm. I think that's a huge, huge problem. Yeah, that's interesting. I, w w one academic, like an, an Australian academic that I was asking for a reference when I was applying to Berkeley, mm -hmm. Uh, we were talking about it and he said, yeah, like I, I wrote you a reference. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure it's going to be that good for you because mm -hmm. I think like um, uh, Americans have a tendency to like right. uh, talk up people, talk, talk up people more, more right. than like Australians. We're, we're a bit right, more right. sort of un understated. I've heard the same thing from European mm. people. And mm. yeah. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know if I've seen that that much here i think americans are pretty competitive people um i don't know we should do a whole part about like <laughs> us what we think of americans and cultural differences and, and stuff should. like that like i think Let's that would have be Donna. fun because yeah you know we, we we are both like foreigners in this strange land that is true we are yeah i think cultural psychology cultural psychology is cool if I could start everything again, I might do. I might focus on cultural. I mean, psychology. but I think, but I think everything you can, you can look at it through a cultural lens, right? You can always yeah. compare. Yeah. Like, yeah. Even in my research, I, I'm currently looking at like academic help seeking, but I know there's this, this like massive cultural difference that I've noticed between mm. how people think of asking for help mm. here versus mm. in my country, right? There's so many yeah. differences. But yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's, yeah, let's see if we can go back. So, like, we, we were talking about ways that the polarization could get better. You said just Trump not being in office might be one way. Um, yeah, I think so. Other ideas. I mean, I think, like, war with China <laughs> could bring the country together, like, or, like, being invaded by aliens. You like, know, the common I'm, enemy is you, certainly... But you, wouldn't you think if that was going to happen, I think it would have happened with COVID. Isn't COVID a, a you know, common enemy? A common enemy. Like, isn't it? Like, what mm. else are you? How, how, like, this is kind of the closest we're going to get to a alien invasion, right? Yeah, interesting. I guess in a, in a way, uh, COVID is this... Yeah, alien little, little species. Yeah, invading. To, like, yeah, exactly. Take over. Uh, take over. I think it's different. Like, I mean, I wasn't here during 9-11, but everybody says that there was this period of, like, intense national unity um, where, like, everybody was on the same page very briefly. Uh, but so everybody I, I, then was against, except if you're a Muslim in this country. Mm. Right, right, right. There was like an uptick in anti-muslim exactly. sentiment right so like yeah. they, some people yeah. were like lumped in with the common right and i mean even like enemy. sick people right people who from mm. india who were turbans apparently they also faced a lot of or brown people in general just started mm. facing a lot more um you know people from the from india and from mm. that may not even be muslim so I, yeah, there's a weird so thing of like oh we need some kind of people to hate mm. so we can you know 
Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, it's like we need the them to focus on the us. First. Yeah. Which, which is not, which is not, it's a human instinct, right? Mm. Yeah. Um, and I think the. It's like even in your well, family, the, right? You kind of fight with the, your siblings unless, unless there's some other kids that are trying to, you know, talk shit about your siblings. And then you're like, only I get to do that. Mm. You know? I mean, the classic social psych study with the Rattlers and the Eagles, right? Like, they. Their like group in, intergroup enmity um, reduced when they had to do a shared common goal. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, they had a shared common goal. But it's not right, like right. there's, like you said, COVID is a shared common goal. Yeah, um, yeah. Like there's, well, yeah. there's, we're not lacking for shared shared common goals here, right? Um, so yeah, I yeah, I guess I yeah, it, it's <laughs> it's tough. I I don't know. Like, and I I do see this is why part of why. I'm fascinated by Andrew Yang because he almost alone out of any political figure that I've ever known just seems to have this complete, um, like he, he doesn't divide up the world into good people and bad people at all. Yeah. Like he, he has like absolutely like, he, has he, Biden like, treats, asked him for, to be in his, on his cabinet yet? I don't think so. Right, um, I mean, he should completely treats everybody as an individual uh, like completes treats everybody as having valid concerns that yeah. he he's interested in like talking to them about uh, and interested in like technical policy solutions to like people's problems whether they're like a trucker right. from Idaho or yeah. whether they're like a techie in in San Francisco like mm-hmm. he just takes this completely like almost dispassionate like eagle eye view of the country as this system and just thinks well how can we how can we make this system work better for all the all the people in it and like he's been really inspiring like some like some communities that he goes like he spends a lot of time like he spent a lot of time in iowa Mm -hmm. uh before the democratic primaries and like it seems to me that the kind of people that um hate democrats kind of like him like because yeah. he he doesn't want to lecture them about cultural yeah. issues he doesn't want to accuse anybody of being racist or uh he wants to Fix your improve problems. their lives he wants yeah. to put, put more money in their pockets he yeah. wants to Give like, them, yeah exactly what to like get the life expectancy increasing again as opposed to decreasing and you know like create communities where people are not um turning to painkillers uh and yeah. have have jobs and have, have prospects and stuff like that and like yeah he so his brand of politics which i can't do at all right like because in the same way that he is totally like welcoming and accepting of all these people he like all the like all the criticism that he gets from the far left seems to roll off his back as well like he doesn't he doesn't waste time like we do like criticizing <laughs> criticizing the hyperwoke he's just like laser focused on like well you know like what are policies that we could implement in this country that would like make it work better for people like he doesn't get caught up in all this culture war stuff at all and like i really admire it and i think it's like uh, i think it's like he's like the only politician that makes me think like that the the polarization could get better like if if we sort of um act like him so i I, yeah like a i don't know like apart from that i don't yang 2024 well yeah <laughs> mm. i don't know what like let's let's see because apparently um some mayor was running in stockton in california hmm. um on a like a ubi type 
uh, platform and like got defeated like severely at the ballot box. So I mean, I, I don't yeah. know if this country is ready for somebody like because like Andrew Yang, even though he's not really like a radical progressive, he does have radical policy ideas. Right. And I, I don't. Yeah, like, and the one criticism, which I think is a valid criticism of Andrew Yang, is like, well, even if you get elected president, you're not going to be able to pass a UBI. Right. Like, like the Senate won't let you pass that, Congress won't let you pass that. So, yeah. um, wh- why would why would we we vote for you? And that's like that's a good question, and I think it's. But I think, but that I think the great thing about Andrew Yang that I appreciated is that I don't think he cares about winning the election for him it was more like yeah if it's it's a good idea just somebody should take it and run with it right Mm. like and and i think that's a very noble thing that he's doing Mm. um right like i I think he would be just as happy if some of his policies or some of the ideas just get you Mm. know somebody else uses them to make people's life better which which is what happened now right like we Mm. we did have some form of a Mm. the the whole stimulus thing was sort Mm. of like putting Mm. money into people's pockets right and he was kind of pushing for that so i think you know i think that's massive yeah. that that we did that and i think yeah. it, like his his you know his work i think had a part to play in that so i i respect that a lot yeah and i just think his he's he's focused his focus is on some areas that like to be i think the left is neglecting like the idea that life expectancy has been going down yeah. in the United States and largely to do with overdoses and suicides right, right, right. and largely in these white communities who yeah. were like really decimated by globalization mm-hmm. yeah. uh, and automation. This yeah. is one thing like he talks about that not many people realize is like everybody thinks that the factory jobs went to China, mm-hmm. but more jobs were lost to automation mm-hmm. than were lost to like, China, like we're, sure. we're lost overseas, yeah. um, and you can't just tell people learn how to code, right? Like that's not going to no. work. <laughs> yeah, no, no, and that yeah, well, and but that's like the platitude that the left has been giving to like these issues is like, ah, oh, well, we everybody can learn to code. And it's like, no, it's not that. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not that simple, and so that's why he thinks like UBI is viable. I don't, yeah, I mean, it's hard to hard to imagine America having UBI or it passing, but like he his I I just think people. He goes to these communities and people see that he cares about them. And I don't yeah. think they get that feeling from a lot of the left and a lot of like democratic politicians yeah. and people who are involved in this partisanship yeah. and this struggle. And yeah. He, yeah, he just seems to have this ability to sort of cut through that and communicate mm. this empathy. But, mm. but on a final note, I think mm. I have the solution to the problem. Okay. You know how we fix you know how we fix this polarization? We massively rehaul the education system. <laughs> and we do a good job of educating children. We have to get them young, Paul. You're we're not gonna change anybody's mind when they're fifty, okay? We get them young. What's that phrase like we we get them if young. If all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a hammer. <laughs> No, but it's not. The education it's, researcher it's, thinks that uh, the solution see, lies with see, but education. no, you're putting what the, a coincidence. No, no. Here's the thing. It's not that. I, it's not that I'm saying this is the option because I'm an education researcher. I'm an education researcher because I think this is the solution. Ooh. Like, <laughs> and I'm. I'm not even being. I'm Flipped not even it. joking. Like, it's you know. Hmm. I think you. It has to start there, right? Like things like empathy and tolerance and being open to other people's ideas. All that stuff has to start really early. And teaching, you know, children to be 
open to other people and also re- realizing that the world, yeah, it's not black and white, right? And or brainwash our kids. Yeah, yeah. Call it, call it what you will, I think, you know. I think it, it really comes... And also, also sort of teaching people to think for themselves, I think, is the most important thing, right? I think it's okay to be conservative yeah, and it's okay happen, to be... It'll never happen, Smriti. It's okay. I'm t- like this... I think this might be a flaw in your worldview. I maybe, maybe. I think that 90% of people don't think for themselves and like accept sort of like very heuristic uh like simplified rules of thumb for living and what's right and what's wrong but i think but i think they only don't do that because a thinking is hard and there's a weird sort of notion Mm. especially in this country that thinking is only for some people the thinking is Mm. for smart people like you said right smart people play chess i'm like no Mm. everybody can play chess you just have to keep doing it and I think that's where it comes down to. I, a lot I don't of people know, in this I don't middle know, America like, are probably should, looking at us and saying, oh, all these people, and this is a completely hmm. different world. We and should we, talk about this on another part, because I'm, yeah, I think I'm starting to develop a theory about this, that like, <laughs> majority of people, majority of people's beliefs are not really like, like people don't like logically think through their beliefs for the most part. Oh, and this absolutely is, not. Like, always been the case and like always will be the case. And so like the the people that are sort of like there's this these battles over like what should just the norms be, right? And yeah. like yeah, yeah. so f- and for example, like some norms are starting to be like um, trans women are women, right? Yeah. Like you don't you don't don't question. Uh, don't question anything about trans rights. Like, and this is a norm. And like, so you, but you always have some people sort of questioning these things of like, oh, oh does that make sense all the way down and stuff like that? But that's like, okay. Yeah, yeah that, that's like always going to be this minority of society. And like, there's this battle over like, what will be the, the values and the norms and right. like, that, that yeah. are like running the society. To, and, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and like, and if you're somebody who sort of like, wants to question one of those values and norms you will always be a sort of in the minority you'll always that you'll always be kind of a heretic and you you might eventually win out like your ideas might eventually become the norms but like for the most part most people don't really want to think that hard about these things or like uh, think through them they want to be sort of told ah like what what's the basic operating manual of being a (laughs) member of this society okay i've got i've got it these are my platitudes that I live by. I'm good. Um, anyway, yeah, like, but I, I, I think to... we can change that. But yeah, let's have another conversation about it. All right, cool. Well, cool. as I said, I'm going to plug in uh, <laughs> Barack Obama at the end. Uh, his gracious, uh, non not concession speech, but his gracious handover speech. Yeah. And um, um, Mr. yeah, let's we we still really hope, obviously that. We're we're gonna get a transition, and <laughs> the courts will do their job, and everything will be cool in this country. Um, yeah, so can, yeah, uh, yeah, move towards healing and fingers you know. crossed. Oh, and we might, I might plug in. Should I plug in the disclaimer as well? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right, right. So then, yeah, yeah we're gonna. But you you'll those. hear it. Yeah, <laughs> we should have said <laughs> this in the. <laughs> I guess it will be if you plug it in. It will be in the beginning of the episode, and okay, right, 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 yeah, right. Um, sure. So yeah, ho- well, hope you enjoyed we'll the just disclaimer. Leave it, leave it unexplained. <laughs> yeah, leave it unexplained until now. Yeah.
All right. All right, cool. Well, great talking to you as very rambling. Very, yeah, very rambling, rambling episode this one. I wonder if I, I wonder if listeners will just be like, wait, they're just like having a conversation. <laughs> Why am I just eavesdropping on this these people's conversation? But is, that's isn't that what we what always do? Are. Yeah. That's I don't know. Always. I feel like podcasters have some responsibility to be like disseminating information or being like well informed about the things that they're talking <laughs> about, which we maybe were not this week. No, but that's okay. We're just trying to be consistent. Yeah. Right. Something's better than nothing. Well, <laughs> sure. Okay. No, yeah, not always. Uh, all right. If all you right. want to contact us, it's we're more of comment on Twitter and yes. more of a comment at Gmail. Do we ever even check that Gmail though? Do you ever check it? I never so- check it. Sometimes. Sometimes I will. Okay. But we, nobody we emails us. Yeah. Yeah. Twitter's, Twitter's way better for contacting yeah. us. Yeah. yeah. Tweet yeah. us and tell us that you've sent us an email, please. If you email <laughs> us. <laughs> cool okay all right <laughs> all right have a good weekend paul happy week. diwali and oh yeah yeah uh, happy diwali yeah. i didn't realize it was t- diwali, it's tomorrow but... it's tomorrow it's our, oh. our new year what do you yeah. d- what do you do what do you how do you uh, celebrate diwali i i kind of don't anymore i'll cry myself to oh. sleep is how i'm planning on <laughs> celebrating it so <laughs> all right awesome. all right bye bye I had a chance to talk to President-elect Trump last night, uh, about 3.30 in the morning, I think it was, to congratulate him on winning the election. And I had a chance to invite him to come to the White House tomorrow uh, to talk about making sure that there is a successful transition between our presidencies. Now, it is no secret that the President-elect and I have some pretty significant differences. But remember, eight years ago, President Bush and I had some pretty significant differences. But President Bush's team could not have been more professional or more gracious in making sure we had a smooth transition so that we could hit the ground running. And one thing you realize quickly in this job is that the presidency and the vice presidency uh, is bigger than any of us. So I have instructed my team to follow the example that President Bush's team set eight years ago and work as hard as we can to make sure that this is a successful transition for the president-elect.